Welcome to the Circle of Film podcast. I am Ryan, and today I'm going to be talking about Moonlight. Moonlight is a new A24 released film that has got a huge amount of buzz and is coming off of, you know, just a great performance at all of the specialty theaters it's been showing in you know it finally came around to my neck of the woods and I'm really glad I finally got to see it I put a review for Moonlight on Letterboxd yesterday last night after I saw it and the most frustrating aspect of it was I, I didn't know how to rate it I didn't know what I thought I couldn't you know, you hear that a movie is incredible f- for so long that it kind of begins to take on an entirely different meaning. You, you know, I went to the fit movies, I went, I sat down, I watched it, and the whole time, you know, in the back of my head, you know, this is a movie that's being considered as a pro- best picture prospect this year. You know, I have to acknowledge that. And yet the whole time, all I could think was, I don't, it's good, but it's not, it doesn't excite me. It doesn't stir anything inside of me. I'm not feeling as though, you know, I didn't, I don't get the same feeling watching it that I got from Zootopia, that I got from Swiss Army Man, that I got from 10 Cloverfield Lane, uh, that I got from, um, any of the other films if you look at my top you know five or six for this year so far and that was kind of interesting you know i you know i don't think that i have to love it as much as everybody else does i think you know that's not a fair presumption but then you know i look at Letterboxd, where it's got an, a 4.4 average, which is insane for a movie that just came out. And, like, just going through all of the other everyone else's reviews and reading them and trying to figure out, you know, where they stand on the, on the film. You know, what are they seeing that maybe I'm missing? Maybe I'm not reading into it enough. Maybe I'm glossing over something. Maybe I'm looking too hard. Maybe it's you know, and the general consensus that I found was that a lot of people identify with Sharon. You know, a lot of people appreciate the way that Moonlight connects to them either through heart, either through them themselves being, uh, homosexual, gay, lesbian, maybe bisexual, or trans, you know, they they can relate to it in that way, or just having to harbor something inside of you and wonder whether or not you're, you're free to really reveal this part of yourself to the rest of the world, 
And that I understand. I definitely can relate to that. Um, you know, me, myself, you know, falling on that spectrum somewhere. I, but I, But I personally, I don't, I never felt trapped the way that I think Sharon feels in the film. You know, he is constantly questioning who he is, what he is, where he comes from, where he's going, how everyone else perceives him. And, you know, I've done my fair share of soul searching in my life, but not at all to the extent that Sharon does in this film. So even on that level, I, you know, I, it definitely it brought gave me a better understanding, but not a better connection personally with this film. And so I I ended up giving it a four star review on Letterboxd, um, which would equate to a rating on my spreadsheet between eighty and eighty nine, which is a great rating. Uh, you know, but I went into this thinking, oh man, this is going to be this is finally the film that's going to challenge Zootopia for number one, and I really don't think it did that. Now, you know, I, I've i had a night now to think about it, and I want to really talk this out with you and myself, because I do think that there's more to it than I'm giving it credit for, but I want to see just how far... I can how how much I can bridge that gap. Okay? All right, good. So uh you know, for for those of you that haven't seen the film, I will there's so the, so the film is broken up into three chapters. Um there's little Sharon and Black. Those are the three chapters, and you know it's not a very it's not a plot heavy movie. It's a discovery movie. It's a coming of age tale, essentially, and so plot wise, there's not a ton to spoil. But it, I, you know, I went in with almost ne- with next to no no knowledge of of it. You know, I thought Mahershala Ali played the main character in one of the segments and he doesn't and that uh, you know he's in the first segment as a different character and that was like oh I didn't have any idea that that was the case um, so fair warning as much as little as there is to spoil that much will probably be spoiled going forward I don't know exactly where uh, but probably at some point. All right. So, like I said, there's a three-part structure to the film, and you get to see Sharon as like an eight-year-old kid, as a high schooler, and then as an adult. And the three actors that play Sharon. Um, so you've got uh, Alex Hibbert as the youngest version, uh, Ashton Sanders as the teenage version, 
and oh, hold on, and Trevante Rhodes as black. So I'm going to call them Little Sharon and Black to try and make things separate things a little bit. Okay, so you know they're all fantastic. You know I've never heard of any of them before. They're all great. They all managed, particularly um, Little and Sharon really feel like the same person, just different age. Black threw me off a little bit at first. You know, the, the changes that he undergoes between segments two and three are substantial and aren't given a nut, quite a bit, quite a lot of uh, um, detail as to how they really happened. So you have to take a lot of it on credit of just the actors themselves and you know what could have happened behind the scenes however it by the end of it I could definitely see the young kid in the, in this in black by the end of it you, you can see all the mannerisms all the you know the personality and all of that it really bubbles to the forefront ultimately and so, and you know, the same can be said for, you know, Naomi Harris, who's in all three segments, or Janelle Monae, who's in the first two segments, or Mahershala Ali, uh, or Naomi Harris. I already said Naomi Harris. Or I mean, what I meant to say was um, the three actors that play Kevin, who is the other progressively aging character that sticks with uh, Sharon throughout the story. And so you've got Jaden Piner, um, Jarell Jerome, and Andre Holland as Kevin. And I think I think I, I think personally Andre Holland is the best of the three for what he does. But again, like but in the same way, you know, Kevin's progression feels natural from stages one to two, but then there's a, I felt like there was a huge gap between two and three. And so you're talking about, you know, they're supposed to, you know, when they're Sharon, when it's Sharon's story, they're supposed to be 16. And when they get to Black's story, you know, you're, they're supposed to be mid 20s, I want to say. And so let's say, let's say 10 years. And so I'm 25 now. So 10 years ago, like I, you know, granted, I haven't gone through anything quite so life changing in the last 10 years as the characters in the film do. But I don't look anything. I like, I look quite similar to how I looked back then. You know, like I can see, you know, obviously, but I'm like the same person and they're actors. I get that, but. I think that the casting was so perfect from the first to second stages and as strong as the acting is in the third stage, I did feel a slight jolt between Sharon and Black. Uh, so, you know, that is what it is. And I, I didn't know it was a three-part structure going into the film. And... You know, I'm still not sure that 
that that's the best way to have told the story. I think that it's intriguing, and it definitely helps us, you know, I, I think it's great that we get to actually see the progression of Sharon's identity crisis throughout his life, and I think that's strong, but jumping from little to Sharon to black kind of at these key moments really leaves you hanging and it's tough to kind of reconcile well what what happened you know you you hit this critical moment and then you skip hey eight years into the future and you lose the momentum you've been building and you have to start over again and I think that the only way for that to work is if you know you're building up momentum in little and you reset and then you're building up momentum in Sharon you have to build up more momentum which they did and then you reset and then you have to build up the most momentum in black and have a huge payoff and I think that it doesn't build up enough momentum in black and there isn't enough of a payoff so I do feel like the structure fails it in that sense even if the quality of what's happening is still very high it doesn't quite succeed for me so what I ended up doing and what I've just kind of been mulling over is that this is that Moonlight is essentially a blend of two films from last year and this is not me reducing it to some formula or composition, but simply the similarities that it has are very obvious and I think ones that are important to compare and contrast because I think that they will yield both myself and hopefully you with a better understanding of you know what this film is doing so successfully and maybe not as successfully and the first one which i've seen quite a few people relating it to is carol uh, you know the obvious similarity is in moonlight you have a male struggling t- with his own homosexuality and how to come to terms with it and you know whether he can come to terms with it if it's something that he's capable of and in carol you've got uh, a female homosexual who is or a pair of them I suppose Uh, although I believe and I haven't seen Carol in about a year now so you know correct me if I'm wrong but I think Carol is married at the start of the movie and then meets Rooney Mara's character and you know love at first sight and that's kind of the trajectory that the film takes and so you know I've seen a lot of people making this drawing this connection and a lot of people on the other side of it uh, claiming that this isn't a fair comparison and you know this you know it's, it's like saying you can't compare apples and oranges you can because they're both fruit and so these are both films that both deal with a similar subject matter and while they both approach it differently and 
they both draw a different conclusion from a similar premise, it doesn't make them less comparable in that way. And so I think the biggest thing is that in Carol, you're kind of hinged on these two actresses as they come to terms with their feelings for each other. And at no point do you really see them struggle with their own identity insofar as being attracted to each other or to females in general. And so predominantly the film plays out like just exploring love at first sight and how that comes to be, what the fallout of that is. And I said a couple of episodes back that in Hacksaw Ridge you can feel, physically feel the love, adoration, and attractive attraction that Andrew Garfield feels for Teresa Palmer. And, you know, you get that same sense from Rooney Mara regarding Kate Blanchett. And it's twofold because you're getting it from Rooney Mara herself and you're also getting it from the camera. The camera is in love with Kate Blanchett. And, you know, who wouldn't be? But what I think strikes what I think separates Carol and Moonlight in this regard is Carol feels like a much more focused and emotionally controlled film where there isn't as much of a range there isn't as much of an array of possibilities and directions that it goes and while and I think it, it does suffer for that but the the small avenue that it takes it does so flawlessly so while on the other hand moonlight i believe definitely has a much wider array of directions you know you're seeing dozens of different emotions that sharon has to come to terms with and deal with and understand and he goes through this cycle of up and down and up and down and then he's down and he's down but he's down in this way and he's down that way and he's down another way and then you know he peaks up and then you know he he gets blinds you know all these different things happening to him and i don't think any of those on their own reaches the level of quality that carol does but as a conglomerate it achieves something greater than carol by displaying every emotion from A to Z, every response, every thought, every process, it ultimately reaches a height that Carol couldn't reach without that sense of diversity in emotion. So the other film that I think Moonlight is similar to which I haven't seen come up and I feel like is the more obvious choice is Steve Jobs now both Carol and Steve Jobs I believe make my top 20 from last year I have Steve Jobs rated a little higher Steve Jobs is in the 90s I believe it's a 91 or 92 uh, on my spreadsheet and 
it's the the obvious similarity is that it's a three-part film you know you have three segments of the movie in both cases that are roughly a third of the runtime that take place at different times in the main character's life that progress and each explore different sides of the same sort of issue and again it's been about a year since i've seen steve jobs but you know the biggest difference that these two films share from my perspective is that in steve jobs you have the magnetic and always trying as hard as he possibly can michael fassbender who is one of my favorite actors and in moonlight you know the biggest name is probably janelle monet the most recognizable face is either janelle monet or mahershala mahershala oh my goodness mahershala ali um, just based on his recent appearance in luke cage his long time run long run on house of cards uh you know so you know and as as popular as he as the two of those them may be they don't hold a candle to michael fassbender you know he is a much bigger name and that doesn't even go into the kate winslet the seth rogan or any of the other actors in steve jobs and i think michael fassbender outperforms anyone that you put up you can put anyone from moonlight up against fassbender in steve jobs and i think he's better than them um and as a testament to his performance he plays steve jobs at all in all three stages at different times in his life and the different the difference there being that you know he doesn't really change very much from one segment to the next and while in moonlight you know little sharon and black are all the same person there are definitely a lot of changes happening you know from the completely uh you know um socially awkward little to the still socially awkward sharon but you know learning to stand up for himself sharon learning to realize who he is and kind of the direction he's actually heading sharon to the ended up in the wrong place black to the finally saying you know what i need to fee- i need to find this finish this right now i need to solve the problem and figure out whether or not this is my life or if it's just a fantasy that i've been having and steve jobs is just Michael Fassbender, Steve Jobs. Michael Fassbender, Steve Jobs. Michael Fassbender, Steve Jobs, and that's the that's the movie. That's that's all it is. Um, so in that sense, you know, you've got your pluses, you've got your minuses for Carol and Moonlight, for Steve Jobs and Moonlight, and you know, all three films. They're, you know, like this is pushing Moonlight up higher to the higher end of the four-star range for me right now. And I just... But there's... You know, I, I don't think there's any chance I can give it a four and a half. 
I just can't. I don't feel that way about this film. As well made as it is, you know, the score is perfect. You know, it's got this really triumphant kind of swell to it. Uh, you know, you've got, you know, and the performances are all great, you know, a fantastic ensemble, beautifully cast, you know, you know, differences between seg segments two and three aside, you know, the, the acting is great. And the, the, the setting is fantastic. It looks, it all feels and looks so real. And there's so many parts of it that in another lesser movie you would you would get a lot of exposition or shoehorned in scenes to help explain background information better and this doesn't do any of that you know Mahershala, Mahershala Ali's character is a drug dealer and that's never explicitly said until kind of the end of the first segment and it doesn't need to be. You just see the way he interacts with other people. You see him on the street. You see him recognizing and understanding situations because of what he and who he is. I think... I think the writing is great. You know, all the conversations feel really genuine, you know, despite how, you know, they're not perfectly articulate, like maybe a Sorkin is, but they really do, they're punched up to just the right level where every single interaction is impactful without feeling scripted. You know what I mean? And... I really like it quite a bit, but I don't love it. Oh, man. This is tough. This is really tough. Um, I'm not sure. You know, part of me thinks that I should watch the movie again, but... I don't feel as though, well, one, I don't really have the time to rewatch something. But two, there's definitely, I feel, this idea of maybe that's how it is in this. You know, maybe I'm just, you know, as good as this movie is and as good as I recognize it as maybe it's just not meant for me and that's perfectly fine you know you know, the, you know every movie there's someone that doesn't like it somewhere you know even movies with 100% on Rotten Tomatoes have that guy they gave it a 6 out of 10 that's still technically fresh but is much lower than everybody else giving it a 9 and a 10 you know, Moonlight has a 98%. There are a couple of people dissenting with the popular opinion. You know, the same goes for Zootopia, Toy Story 3, all these movies that get so, are so close to being perfect in the eyes of critics. And, you know, there's def always going to be one or two that just don't 
fit in and you can say that they're just dissenting to dissent and you know however true that may be they've given it that rating and obviously I really like the film I think it's great I think it's a fantastic movie I hope it does what really well at, at the Oscars you know it's an all black cast black director uh, I don't know about the writers or any of the other personnel but uh, you know for all I just for me personally you know it's not my best picture it's not you know I wouldn't put it in you know the only acting categories I might give it are in the only they can only be in the supporting categories you know I think there's a good chance that um I think there's a really good chance that Barry Jenkins gets in for direction. Uh, you know, I don't know about writing. I'm not sure. Um, you know, maybe score. You know, I thought the score was great, but anything. You know, I don't think it's a lock to win anything. It's not. I think it's been oversold a little bit. And I think that it's kind of suffered because of that. I think that it could have been, you know, I yeah, I don't I don't don't necessarily think that if I hadn't gone in with high expectations, I would have come out feeling more exalted regarding this film. But I do think that there's a sense that it had such expectations to live up to that even though it failed to reach them it's still great but it could have but if my expectations were lower i would have felt better with the rate with the reaction i have right now so that's kind of where i'm at i'm in the you know i remember you know, hacksaw ridge got an 80 and I think this is a bet. This is definitely a better film than Hacksaw Ridge. Hacksaw Ridge had much more obvious flaws, and Moonlights are very nitpicky, but they're there. And I can't. And you know, plus the lack of connection. You know, I can't give it an anything above a ninety. You know, I'm thinking in my head. You know, I don't have the spreadsheet opened in front of me. But I feel like it's an 88. I think it's an 88 right now. Yes. It's an 88, which puts it... I mean, it's in my top 10 at, with that score for right now. And I think that that's appropriate. An 88. Side note, um, I don't know if anyone realized just how many light movies there are. So you've got Moonlight, Spotlight, Twilight, all of the Twilights, um, Sunlight, the, uh, what was that? Is that Danny Boyle? I'm not sure. Uh, or am I thinking of something different? Sunlight Junior. 
Oh, am I thinking of Sunshine? I think so. Uh, Sunlight Junior, though, which I also have seen. Naomi Watts and Matt Dillon. Um, no. I guess if you want to stretch the uh, the rules of this grouping I'm making up right now, you could include Flight. <laughs> which definitely feels like an unfair connection. Uh, Red, Red Light is an anime film. Uh, there's an older film. Oh, uh, what is it? G -g -g Gaslight. Gaslight. Uh, <laughs> Daylight. Safe Light. City Lights. Boogie Nights. Oh, Boogie Nights messes it up. It's not a light. Well, anyway, I don't know. I, I thought it was funny, you know, if, if Moonlight does do really well, if it does win Best Picture, we'll go from Spotlight in 2015 to Moonlight in 2016, and that would be interesting, at least. It'd be, it'd be cute in a way. So... So that's Moonlight. That's that's my review for Moonlight. Like I said, in 88, I'm going to stick by that. We will see as more films come in just how, just where Moonlight ends up for me overall by the end of this. Because, you know, I'm going to see Arrival later today, which has gotten stellar reviews as well. And there are a plethora of films to come out later this month and in December. You've got Rogue One, Moana, Sing, Fantastic Beasts. Um, you know, I haven't seen Loving or 20th Century Women or uh, Fences. Um, La La Land. You know, there's still there's still so many left to come out and left to see that it's really anybody's guess at this point what's going to end up where and I think I do feel as though I think Barry Jenkins created something great here and I'm really interested to see what he, how he get, where he goes from here I also sincerely hope that the kids and young adults that acted in this movie as Sharon, as Kevin, are given their due because they are fantastic. And the only one of the six performances done by someone who's actually an established name is Andre Holland, who I know him best from The Nick, the uh, TV show. Um, but you know he's been in Selma. He's was in Forty Two, and you know I'm looking at his IMDb page, and you know he's an American Horror Story. But his, um, you know his the only thing he's working on right now is A Wrinkle in Time. Uh, Ava DuVernay's Ava DuVernay, uh, yeah, Wrinkle in Time for slated for 2018 which I love that. I'm so excited for that movie simply because 
I really think that it's going to be amazing. Firstly, because Ava DuVernay's directing it. Second, because I remember reading that book as a kid, and I thought it was like just so amazing. I thought it was so much fun and creative and inventive, and I haven't revisited it in quite a while, so it'll be really cool to finally see it for real. Um, Manchester by the Sea, another movie that hasn't really come to, out yet that I need to see. Lion... Uh, etc 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 so so that's where we're at and uh, you know I will definitely be doing a review for Arrival there will not be a statistics episode for Moonlight as there really aren't enough actors to warrant doing one but look forward to my review for Arrival tomorrow and there is a good chance that I will be doing a statistics episode for Arrival. So, thank you all for listening. I would love it if you would follow me on iTunes, rate me there, review me there. Whether you like it or not, doesn't matter to me. Uh, or, you know, you find me on circleoffilm.com, find me at letterboxd at letterboxd.com slash stranger. You can email me at circleoffilm at gmail.com or is that all of it? I think that's everything. Yeah. So thanks again and have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same night. Come on, baby, when we paint the town. And all that jazz. So long, farewell, I'll be the same Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So long.